Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio because a meal is a terrible thing to waste. This is a show for people that love to cook or love to eat. And because the culinary landscape is ever evolving, you'll hear from chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs, molecular gastronomers, food bloggers, enthusiasts, cookbook authors, and more on this show. I dish on fabulous food, wine, spirits, travel, health, and living the best life. And it's my goal to feed your soul, so I hope that you won't miss a weekend of delicious conversation with me. Now, if you happen to have missed a show or you'd like to master a topic, you can always find my podcasts with outlined show descriptions on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And I hope that you will become a friend and a fan on social. My shameless daily dish is posted at Chef Jamie Gwen, and I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. I hope that this weekend finds you healthy and well, and that you are wearing a mask. And let's get this party started, shall we? Did you know that there are approximately 7,000 varieties of apples in the world? I like to hopefully wax poetic, or at least you think so, at the start of this show about a technique or share a tutorial that will make you the best cook you know. And then coming up, there is insightful, entertaining, and delicious conversation, and it, it abounds really, so don't touch your dial. But even if you tried a different apple every day, it would take you nearly 20 years to sample the entire spectrum. But how much do you actually know about apples, right? Certain apples are better for baking or best varietals for applesauce or what's the ultimate to eat out of hand. I thought that I would kick off this show and review the most popular apple varietals that every apple lover should know and then how to cook them, of course, my best recipes too. Now, although many apples are available year-round through the use of controlled atmosphere storage, they are still at their premium when you purchase and eat them in season. And if you've ever been apple picking, that's actually a perfect uh, socially distance outdoor uh, COVID safe activity, I would like to say. So if there is apple picking in your area, please go and send me something delicious. Uh, but at the farmer's market or even in your local grocery store, you're going to see more apple varieties than ever right now. And there are lots of great big ones and little teeny ones. I love a lady apple dipped in caramel, preferably uh, on a popsicle stick, like a little mini caramel apple. I call it caramel apple fondue, and it's really fun to do. Or maybe you've seen the crab apples, uh, super small and super tart, all the way to the great big Granny Smith and Honeycrisp that we're seeing this season. There are big and small. There are, uh, you know, the not so beautiful and the ultra pretty. But ultra pretty apples, however, are not always the tastiest apples. The first thing you need to know is that the brown stripes 
on an apple. And by the way, this applies to citrus as well and watermelons and other melons too. Those brown stripes are sugar lines and they can be a virtuous sign of sweet flavor. So keep that in mind when you're picking. Now, apples ripen 10 times as fast at 70 degrees as they do when they're chilled. So refrigeration is absolutely necessary to maintain the quality of an apple, uh, very much the opposite of a tomato, right? We all know that apples turn brown or oxidize when they're cut or exposed to the air for any length of time. So I recommend that if you are peeling uh, a vast amount of apples to make pies or tarts or crostatas or applesauce, you want to immerse them after cutting pretty immediately in acidulated water or acid and water combined. The very natural ratio is a quarter cup of lemon juice or some sort of acid to a cup of water. Now, I happen to like uh, the alternative to lemon juice, I should call it, and that is pineapple juice. Just as high an acid content, actually, without all the tartness. And as much as I have a tart palate, I find uh, that that lemon juice, if the apples rest too long, does uh, impart its flavor in the apples. So try pineapple juice from a can by Dole or wherever you can find it. Uh, and you'll see um, that the apples won't oxidize or turn brown or retard for that matter. There are a few apples though that don't oxidize. Um, it's a, a natural occurring thing and nobody's figured out why, even the genius scientists one of which is called the ambrosia apple, which I love, by the way. It's a sweet tart apple varietal. It's really pretty. It's red with striations. Um, look for it. They're few and far between, um, but you'll find it. Ambrosia. That's it. Now, did you know that three medium-sized apples on average equal about one pound? And during the height of pie making season, you will find plenty of apples tucked into buttery crusts, hopefully in your own kitchen. But there's another really easy technique that amps up apple flavor. And if you find yourself with a bevy of apples and you are just done with pie, who could be done with pie? I love to poach an apple. You simmer them, you could do pears too, in a spiced liquid and they get soft and they're really aromatic. And they make a beautiful presentation and they'll hold quite well. Actually, I have a pastry chef friend in New Orleans um, who does just this. She simmers a variety of apples in cranberry juice, which has been sweetened and seasoned, by the way. And then she serves them with gingerbread breadcrumbs and a pink peppercorn ice cream. Now, even if your version isn't quite so refined, poaching fruit is easy to execute at home. You take a, a deep... Uh, pot or, you know, the, the stock pot or the pasta pot that you use and you bring your poaching liquid, anything from juice to wine to a boil and you reduce the heat and you flavor the liquid with sugar. And I like earthy spices like nutmeg and cloves. And then you carefully set in the firm peeled apples and you let them simmer in the pot covered they're ready, by the way, when a paring knife goes in easily. The fruit shouldn't be soggy. It takes about a half an hour. Just cook through. And then you remove the apples with a slotted spoon and you top them with ice cream and candied nuts or you just go at them. They're breakfast and dessert to me and I think they're just so good. 
Now, I have some favorites when it comes to apples this season. I grew up watching my mom make tart to tan. Uh, it was always the special occasion dessert. She pulled out all the stops. She was the first culinary hero I ever met. Uh, and you will be a culinary hero. According to the 1984 edition of La Russe Gastronomique, the tart to tan was first served in Paris at Maxime's, giving a bow to its creators, the famous Tatan sisters. And no matter how perfect or imperfect your tart to tan is on the plate, it tastes like something that came directly from heaven. It is, of course, tender apples in a deeply caramelized sauce. What could be better, right? And so I say pick the apple you love the most and then follow or master rather my recipe. Now, don't be intimidated by the flip. In many ways, that is the least stressful part of making a tart to tan. You have to get the caramelization right. And once you see it, you'll know. But I think the flip uh, is easier than great cooks are concerned with. Uh, the apples are still warm. You can nudge them back into place and put them back in line. But the tart to tan will taste incredible no matter what happens. It's a sure thing. And it's supposed to be rustic. And it's a total win. Now, it's the bonus recipe this week. And I am so grateful to have so many loyal, food-loving listeners over all these years. I've been offering my email address, which I still offer to you with recipe requests. But I have been inundated. And so, I have posted the bonus recipe this week, as I will for the weeks and months and years to come, on my website at chefjamie.com, C-H-E-F-J-A-M-I-E.com. You'll find a search button in the dropdown. Search Tatan, T-A-T-I-N, or search apples for that matter, and you will get a whole treasure trove of recipes to experiment with. My apple tart Tatan recipe is posted there now. I hope you love it. And please do let me know how yours turns out. You can email me anytime, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. Okay, coming up, as I promised you, informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation. That's right. My Canadian friend Claire Tansy is here, and she cooks uncomplicated. If you're looking for celebration and weekend inspiration, she has it. So stay tuned. Grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio doing what I love truly sharing fabulous food, please don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio cook what speaks to you, I say. Times are complicated, right? Well, let's make them uncomplicated, shall we? If you're short on time and long on hunger and you're out of new ideas, Claire Tansy to the rescue. She's all about making delicious dishes, but never difficult. Her new cookbook release entitled Dinner Uncomplicated, the second in her series, is a hit. Of course, it takes the stress out of home cooking. It's all about a happier, easier way to get a homemade dinner on the table. 
Now, Claire Tanzi is an accomplished chef and a busy working mom, and she takes the classic dishes with the traditional method, but then she figures out a way of cooking them so that they don't take more time than it really needs to. And I am so delighted to welcome Claire back to the show. I'm coining her our uncomplicated expert And she's back to cook with us again. So for the holidays upcoming and the winter Sunday suppers that you're planning, Claire is here to share her best tips for weekends and celebrations. I love weekends and celebrations, Claire. And I think we all need a little something to look forward to right now. Hi, how are you? Oh, it's so great to be here. Thanks, Jamie. I'm so glad to have you back. Healthy and well, all is good? Healthy and well, um, me and mine. Everybody in my home is healthy and happy. Good, good. And safer at home. Um, So what have you been cooking? Tell us, what have you been craving at this time of year? It turned cold where you live. Yes, it snowed just last night where I live. So we had that. (laughs) Magical first morning of waking up and seeing snow, making the city so beautiful. And then, of course, the scramble, where are the snow pants, where are the winter gloves, where are the winter boots, as I tried to get my son out of the door. (laughs) Um, But as the weather turns, you know what? I lean big time into comfort food. So for me, I love spicy dishes at this time of year, Mm. but I love anything warm and comforting. There's a rosemary beast do in my new book that has little beautiful little fluffy dumplings in it yes I saw that it just oh it just tastes like being home with my mom but it's sort of better than the one that my mom used to make we won't yeah we won't tell her don't worry we won't tell her no no there is something rustic and warming about anything with dumplings on top too but the the bubbling of a pot like the, you know, the, the slow simmer, the braises. I love all of that too. And the, the hearty meals. And you certainly referenced one, right? Anything with the word stew in it, um, I love. And I happen to love them at this time of year as well. The cuts of meat are less expensive. And they go a long way. Like reinvent them into leftovers or just enjoy them in their, you know, original beauty. Uh, I too love that, that heartiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really nice. Okay, let's cook, shall we? Because yeah, I but- teased celebrations and weekends. And so the American Thanksgiving, because you had your Canadian Thanksgiving already. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago. Upcoming, yep. yes. And I hope that it was delicious. You had turkey, right? Yes, yes. Even though there were only three of us, I yes. decided to, for a couple of reasons, I decided to roast the whole turkey. First of all, because we love it. And second of all, because I love the leftovers. Mm. So yeah, we had turkey. I love the leftovers almost more than the main meal. So this year, um, we are only three as well. I decided on duck. And then I opened to find your duck breasts with grapes. And I was Mm. very excited. So I am a duck lover. And Mm -hmm. we should dish on duck. We have to dish on duck because I really was on the fence about putting a duck recipe into the new book. Really? Because as you know, the title of the book is Uncomplicated, and it's my experience with my readers, my students, that for some reason, duck feels complicated. So I mm. thought, well, you know what? It's really not. In fact, it's, I mean, if you can fry a chicken breast, you can, you can cook duck. So I thought, let's use this opportunity to kind of show off how simple and how delicious duck can be. Yes. Now, Jamie, you're a chef, so you probably know the technique of cooking the duck really slowly upside down. So you put the skin side down into a cold pan, 
and you just really, really slowly, slowly cook it. And what that does is it allows the um, there's quite a rich layer of fat underneath um, uh, duck skin, mm-hmm. and it allow that slow cooking allows the fat to render out and crisp up the skin. And exactly. it is heaven in a pan. Absolute and heaven. I agree with you, and I think that it has a bad rap. I don't really think it's complicated. I think that it's a technique that sort of stands alone, stands apart from other proteins in that it's unique in the style of cooking duck. The secret to me from everything you said, yes, the rendering and the the low and slow, the long and slow rather, um, is the cold pan. I think Uh the best duck breasts come from a cold pan. And there's really not much more to it, like you said, than a chicken breast. I feel like that fat layer is um, added protection. It's almost like you get, you get an insurance policy with a duck breast, right? It's, it's really hard to mess up if you follow the basic technique. You just have to know the basic technique. And there's something splurgy about it. But duck breasts are not that much more expensive. And there's something so impressive. Like it feels fancy and if you're going to pull out all the stops and roast a whole turkey, why wouldn't you sear duck breasts? <laughs> it's way simpler than a turkey. Way simpler. Um, you know, there's no putting a thermometer in where it doesn't touch the bone. There's no stuffing. Um, and the great thing is that when that fat renders out into the pan, you have got the base of mm. the most exquisite yes. pan sauce. Yes. So for me, I just add a little bit of shallots. And uh, I happened, when I was developing this recipe, I thought, oh, I'll use cranberries or figs. Well, we happen to have seedless red grapes in the house. So I cut a whole bunch of uh, seedless red grapes in half, tossed them into the pan with the shallot and the duck fat, a little splash of dry white vermouth. Mm. And it's just magic. It's so, so simple. Mm. And yeah, instead of roasting a whole turkey that takes you all day, um, you have got a glorious, fabulous, fancy, unique special meal yes. in less than an hour. And in less than a half hour, maybe, right? That's I mean, what, true. 20 That's minutes true. for duck breasts in the pan? And if there's only a few of you for Thanksgiving and you are safer at home with, you know, without the big crowd this year, I think duck breasts for two or four would be the perfect alternative. I happen to love dry vermouth and I don't think mm. it's used enough. Do you know that it's my secret marinade? ingredient Claire like when you're do you use it too when you're um, marinating like a skirt steak or a a more uh, tough cut the vermouth adds such tenderness and flavor I love it on seafood as well in a marinade I often marinate my shrimp in a bit of dry vermouth and a touch of sesame oil Mm. and it is magical and fantastic on salmon as well so it's I think it's one of my secret weapons um so I'm glad to hear that you agree. Dry vermouth and sesame oil. Okay, can you stay with us, please, Claire? Because there, there's much more to talk about for celebrations <laughs> no. and weekends. No place I'd rather be. Uh, well, thank you. Okay, I'm definitely hungry and already salivating, and I hope you are too. So we'll take a quick break. More with Claire Tansy. Simple ingredients, clear instructions, everything uncomplicated to make an outrageously delicious dinner in her new book release entitled Dinner Uncomplicated. Trust me, you must have this cookbook. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Grab a snack. Come on back. Don't go away. 
Tansy is fixing a delicious meal every night of the week, and she's sharing her best dishes. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with the holidays upcoming and weekend meals being planned. I love a Sunday supper as the weather turns cold. We are dishing on uncomplicated planning. Yes, Claire Tansy shares all her secrets. Uh, and we left off, Claire, no matter whether you're doing duck or turkey, um, you have these luscious sides listed in the back of Dinner Uncomplicated. And I want you to know that I am far from a vegetarian. Uh, you uh-huh. knew that because we're uh-huh. friends and I'm proud to call you my friend. But I would gladly eat page 176, not literally, and 177. I have not chomped on the book yet. Uh, 176 and 177 for Thanksgiving. Now, mind you, uh-huh. if you do have a vegetarian in the house or you are catering to a vegetarian, these four sides would make their holiday. I can't even tell you which one I would like to eat first. Uh, so we should run through them. Mm-hmm. So it starts, um, yes, there may be a little bit of lick on my uh, on my book here. It starts with <laughs> lemony braised leeks. Um, oh. And it was my husband, Michael, really opened my mind up to leeks as more than just something you put in a soup. Um, when they're cooked slowly with um, a little bit of chicken broth and some fresh lemon juice, mm. they they begin, become tender but creamy and luxurious in a just magical way. Mm. And then I also included my recipe for perfect mashed potatoes. Of course, perfect to me, and I know that uh, mashed potatoes can be very personal. Perfect for me means really rich and creamy and no lumps. Thank you very much. Right. So you use a ricer, right? I do too. I do. Yes. Yeah. If if you love creamy mashed potatoes, you've got to go for the ricer. Yes. It's just it's it's a life changing uh, gadget for sure. I agree, and and I and, think everyone does put a signature mashed potato on the table. I just I just talked about mashed potatoes and mastering them for the holiday and I have my own personal recipe as well. Uh, but that smooth creaminess is essential, necessary, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. And it's that's a no way around side dish it. for a stew or for the if, if you're having that duck, you could have that on the side and it soak up all the beautiful sauce. Yes. So that'd be a, it's a fantastic mashed potato for a side dish. Roasted miso eggplant. Roasted miso eggplant. Oh. I adore eggplant. So do um, I. Yeah, I, I just love it. And I find the Japanese eggplants, which are the long, skinny ones, they are almost silky when they're roasted. They are just magnificent. I also really love miso. Um, you know, you buy some, you keep it in the fridge. It lasts forever. It's so good for you. So a little bit of miso mixed with a little bit of fresh ginger and honey and just a touch of vinegar. Mm. It's, oh my goodness, it's like, oh, it's it's just outstanding. This rich and salty and sweet and fresh. It's it's an umami bomb, isn't it? It's Uh totally umami all the way. Let me ask you, are you a white miso, a yellow miso, or a red miso girl? So I keep white miso in the house because Nobu Matsuhisa makes, of course, the famous miso butterfish and I like I I love I should say I love to make it and so it's mm-hmm. often marinating and it takes a couple of days so I too have miso on hand most often yeah I guess I use either white or yellow okay. I find the red can sometimes be a little bit strong but yes. really you know whatever you can get okay fine. okay I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a white miso all the way <laughs> and then sweet potatoes essential on a holiday table mm-hmm and this is another one. Boy, I think I owe my husband a, a couple of another dollars or something because he inspired this one too. 
he doesn't like sweet potatoes. He finds them too um, kind of too one-dimensional. He says, well, they're just sweet and mushy. I don't care for that. So my secret to get him to like anything is to put spice on it. Um, So I try doing, you know, like buffalo chicken wings, which is just butter and uh, hot sauce mixed together. I tried that on the sweet potatoes. And it was good, but it wasn't quite there. So when I added a little bit of honey in with the butter and the hot sauce and spread that all over the roasted rounds of sweet potatoes, Mm. well, oh, my word, everybody in the house went crazy for them. I, I just love them so much. It might actually be my favorite recipe on this whole spread. <laughs> really? Okay, so we have a sweet potato convert, which is good, right? Because yes. I happen to love sweet potatoes. And there is a, a bit of controversy going on because the um, produce sections here in the States now are starting to identify yams versus sweet potatoes. Oh, and boy. Yes, I know. So you're talking the orange flesh, yes. and I too love them. When we say hot honey here... It's usually Uh a combination. It's associated with fried chicken, of course. And it's Mm. usually a combination of um, honey and chili oil. And so Mm. I do honey and Calabrian chili oil. Mm. And so I am going to add in your melted butter because butter makes everything better. (laughs) And drizzle that over the sweet potatoes. Take your inspiration. And they will grace our holiday table for sure. Oh, wonderful. Oh, so good. It's a wonderful new way with sweet potatoes. I was really so pleased to kind of, I felt like I'd done everything I could with sweet potatoes. You know, I mean, I've made them into curries, I've made them into purees, I've made them into soups. But this little, that little sauce is really quite special. Mm, so good. Okay, I found another recipe of yours that I think would make like the perfect starter to a holiday meal. If you took a small sliver, if you were having a few people, maybe you're doing Thanksgiving outside in warmer weather climates, right? And you're doing it socially distance safe. Your kale and feta spanakopita pie would be the perfect thing to snack on because everyone always shows up hungry. They, <laughs> they do. do. And everyone always, and they always love spanakopita too, right? True. What could be wrong? It's feta, it's phyllo, it's crunchy, it's delicious. Mm. And I think that's a great idea. I designed this as a vegetarian main course, so as a kind of centerpiece on a vegetarian holiday table. And it's packed with um, not just spinach, which is traditional in Spanakopita, but kale. Um, so it's quite um, robust and flavorful. And it's got some green onions and cream cheese in there and lots mm. of feta. Um, but I found that when I developed the recipe and I had it on sitting on the counter, I kept, <laughs> does this ever happen? I kept going back to it with a little knife and just cutting <laughs> off another sliver. <laughs> right, because you talk yourself into the idea, right, that no one would notice <laughs> If I just took from the other side, right? Or, you know, just just the thin sliver. Yes, and that's how you know that a recipe is just darn good, right? That's right. Yes. I happen to love the idea of doing this in in a a larger format, I guess you would say. Individual Spanakopita are fun. You fold triangles or footballs or whatever you call it, but it's labor-intensive. So your uncomplicated genius took this to a new level where it's super simple. Uh, You bunch the phyllo up. I mean, there's no, you know, necessity for folding per se. It's supposed to look rough and rustic, right? Almost like Mm -hmm. making... um, uh, a rustic apple tart, a crostata in the Italian mm-hmm. style, 
but savory and everyone's Greek favorite. I worked for many years in a for a catering company, and I have rolled enough of the individual Spanakopita to last me a lifetime. <laughs> okay, no more. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to have it. But also the filling is my favorite part. So yes. I like a little bit of the crunchy pastry. Yeah. Um, and lots and lots of this rich, creamy filling. Lots of good filling, no doubt. Claire, one thing we didn't get to, and I'd like you to come back next month and uh, make things uh, uncomplicated for us again. I would love to talk ethnic inspiration. I will tell you, Indian food, uh, I eat a lot of Asian, but mostly it's what's delivered of late for mm-hmm. me because I crave it. And it's not as often um, that I get to enjoy it because of where we're at in the world. Um, So you do a tandoori-ish chicken. Don't share it just yet. Come back next month, please. And let's plan some ethnic meals. What a wonderful way to really embrace mastering uh, a technique or a style of cooking that you might not have cooked before or very often in order to satiate the craving. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll have an Indian party next time. I'm in. I'm in. I can't wait. I'm so glad. (laughs) In Dinner Uncomplicated by Claire Tanzi, the new runaway hit release. She shares recipes that bring joy to everyone in the house. So get the book and start cooking because it is fabulously uncomplicated. Uh, Crazy fabulous ratings on Amazon. You can find the book in fine bookstores, online and otherwise. It's called Dinner Uncomplicated and you don't want to miss it. You can follow Claire on social at Tansy Claire, T-A-N-S-E-Y Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E. And she'll be back. You heard her. She committed. Next month, we're making ethnic inspired dinners totally uncomplicated. Claire, I love having you as a resident expert here. So thank you. Please stay healthy and well and, um, and grateful that you would share all your secrets continually. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie. You thank too. you so much. Talk to you soon. There is lots more fabulous food in your radio. I am so hungry. I can't even tell you <laughs> when we come back more delicious dishes. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. soul every weekend. Welcome back. Jamie Gwen in your radio. Okay. Could you navigate a 1500 mile road trip without using an in-dash navigation system or GPS or your cell phone to guide your way? Not sure that I could, but these two strong, smart, bold ladies we know most certainly can. Can you get from point A to point B using just a paper map and a compass. Well, joining me are two extraordinarily adventurous women who are about to bypass technology and embark on a good old-fashioned road trip. 
Alyssa Ronick and Sabrina Howells are Team Telluride. They're representing Kia Motors America in the fifth annual Rebel Rally. It's an eight-day all-women off-road navigational challenge through the deserts of California and Nevada. And you know, I love to support women. So Alyssa and Sabrina are here and I am delighted. Go ladies. This is so Woo! exciting. Woo! I know I'm, I'm, I'm all into it on the other side of the phone. Um, tell us what the rebel rally is and why this is so important for both of you. Um, you did a really good job of explaining what the rebel is. Um, truly it's a, it's a driving and navigation competition from the, you know, it covers, like you said, 1500 miles from Tahoe to Glamis. Um, I, I'm the driver, so as the driver, the, the challenge of the game really is to navigate really tough, rugged, gnarly terrain and keep the car in one piece, uh, you know, really incur as little damage as possible. Sure. Um, and then for Sabrina, you know, really the true rock star of this competition is the navigator. It's, it's, it's really a navigational competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do what I can to support her and, and, and help out from the driver's seat, but um, I'll let Sabrina talk a little bit about her job, but but really it's about you know hunting down checkpoints. There's a a really cool strategy to this that they throw a lot of wrenches in um, every year and change it up a bit. Um, but it's a really strategic, um, team oriented, uh, mathematical, nerdy. Uh, you know, there's that like there's a lot that that really plays your left brain and your right brain. It sure, creativity and like incredibly nerdy math. Yeah, but I as love well that as, as well as driving and keeping yourself alive and staying on on the path on the road. I love that it's a bit of a throwback. I it, like the feel of not relying on technology makes me uh, makes me wonder if you're really using I it, not wonder. I mean, I'm, I'm assured of it that you're using your brain more than I am tomorrow, whatever, you know, day it is. And, and I love that. I love the challenge aspect of it. Sabrina, is that why you're in it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, my coming into this uh, rally world uh, seven, eight years ago, I, I started doing a couple of rallies in Morocco, which is a, a basically the same general concept, no map, or sorry, no, no GPS, only using old school navigation. And I did it because I wanted to expand like what I could do in my life and hmm. feel confident going anywhere and doing anything. And that's what this rally really does. There's women from all walks of life doing this rally. There's women in the road rally world. There's there's women. I'm, I'm an actress. I had no experience in the car world. Now I know a ton about cars that I never thought I would know about and about navigation. And I feel after doing all of these rallies that I am so much more capable and confident in Mm. every aspect of my life, to be honest. I wonder why you chose Kia Telluride, uh, of which I am a fan, by the way. Um, I drove a Kia into uh, a studio, into a, a, a TV shoot for million dollar listing on Bravo. I could never have gotten that much stuff in any other car. I just want you to know. Um, and I know you both think this is the best SUV to take on the challenge. So tell us about Kia support. Yeah. So the, the car sort of chose us, you know, we got, we got incredibly lucky. I think because of our past experience in, in, uh, in these types of competitions in general and the rebel in particular, uh, Kia asked us to team up and compete for them in a Telluride. So, um, they came to us a couple months ago and asked, and of course we said yes. And I think for all the reasons you just said, the the car itself, the capability of it, yeah, like you said, there's um, 
ample space for all of the equipment, the, you know, the spare tires, the tools. Um, you travel, uh, you know, over those 1,500 miles also carrying your camping gear. Um, so it's incredibly spacious. It's incredibly luxurious. <laughs> yeah, it's so for an off-road, you know, for an off-road vehicle, um, it's, an, it's a comfortable ride, even, you know, over rocky terrain. Um, but it, and it, and it's also a lot of fun. We got to take it out in the sand dunes a, a couple, uh, last month and, and, and test it out. And, and it was incredibly capable and really fun. And, it, you know, probably the hardest terrain we'll face, which is, you know, sand and, and, and big massive sand dunes. Um, but yeah, we just got really lucky. So it's Rebel, R-E-B-E-L-L-E Rally. It's a 1,500-mile road trip without any navigation or GPS or cell phones to guide the way. It is all women, eight days, and it is no doubt a challenge. Ladies, we're rooting for you. Uh, we know that you will have great success. We wish you, of course, personal growth and, uh, and safety, please, um, and stay well. Alyssa Ronick and Sabrina Howells, uh, go Kia, go ladies, uh, bring in the win, will you please? We will. Yes, you hey, will. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It was my delight. I appreciate it. So proud to support. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I do hope that I fed your soul and that you will tune in every weekend as there is lots more to sip and savor, of course. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation as I do every week. I love... Super simple recipes, and I love my air fryer. And by the way, I love football, and football season is in full swing. So wings are on the menu, and at my house, they're buffalo-inspired, and they're not really wings. It's buffalo cauliflower. That's right. You heard me right. Air fryer buffalo cauliflower, to be exact. This is my favorite guilt-free snack And I have to tell you, so delicious. You combine just a few ingredients, ketchup, hot sauce, and an egg white to dress store-bought cauliflower florets. Super simple, right? And after you've tossed them in this sweet, spicy mixture, you're going to coat them in crunchy panko crumbs. Then you're going to spray them with cooking spray and Place the cauliflower florets in your air fryer. About 20 minutes later, you have golden brown and crispy and perfect for ranch or blue cheese dipping. I will post my air fryer buffalo cauliflower recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram now at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please become a friend and a fan and follow. And I will meet you here next weekend when I guarantee there is lots more fabulous food in your radio. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. Please stay healthy, wear a mask, and continue to eat well.